Well, good morning. My name is um, Pastor Derek Parks. I bring you greetings from Epiphany Church right in Wilmington, Delaware. So it's my, my privilege to be here with you guys today. I'm excited uh, to be at Faith Presbyterian Church. Like, this is a big deal because faith is like the, the, the mecca of Wilmington. So I'm encouraged to be here. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing through this church um, and what he's done th- through this church throughout the years. Uh, and just to be able to be connected to faith um, as we're seeking to plant uh, a new church in the city of Wilmington, right in the heart uh, of the inner city there. Uh, we are just excited and encouraged about how God has connected us and just knitted our hearts together. So from 80 years ago down at 14th and DuPont uh, to now, um, God sending a church to the city of Wilmington just through the work that's being done here is just really encouraging. So um, I'll give you a quick very brief background. I'm going to try really, really hard to do that. Um, if you haven't noticed, I'm a black preacher, and it means I take a little bit longer <laughs> to say certain things, <laughs> but I'm going to do my very, very best uh, to get you out of here quickly. Um, so about three years ago, the Lord um, laid a burden on my heart for the city of Wilmington. I, I took a random trip down here um, to look at a dog because we were doing some dog breeding. I'm from Camden, New Jersey, born and raised there. I was a part of a church there uh, for a number of years. And um, we did dog breeding as a way to connect with the guys in the inner city. Um, They would do these big, huge dog shows where the dogs, you call stack offs, they would stack the dog up on the table and see which one had the meanest looking mug and the the strongest looking bow and all that other kind of crazy stuff. But we met a guy who was here in Wilmington, and um, we came down, and I got off the exit, right off exit six, onto 4th Street, and I was blown away. I didn't know that Wilmington had the struggles that it did uh, in the inner city, and, you know, all I knew of Wilmington was that it was the corporate capital of America. You know, I've I've been through Wilmington, like, on the bus and uh, driving down 95 and, you know, just seeing all the high-rises and the banks and stuff like that, man. I said, man, Wilmington's got it going on. Um, but then to get off that exit and to see just the degradation in the city and the Lord just really gripped my heart about the city and I began to pray and seek the Lord about what he would have us to do. So I'm a part of a, a, a network of churches called the Epiphany Network of Churches um, and we're a little bit crazy. We like to plant churches in the worst inner cities in America. Uh, that's like our thing. So uh, we pick up and move our families right in the middle of uh, the violence and the crime and the murder that's happening in, in cities, and we try to affect some change. And by God's grace, um, you know, we've seen that occur uh, in multiple cities. We planted our first one in Philadelphia and then in Camden, New Jersey, where I was. We've planted a guy in Brooklyn, New York, one in South Central L.A., um, and we're planting another guy in Baltimore, Maryland. So. Um, that's sort of my story of how I got here to Wilmington and um, just excited about what God's doing. We're just gearing up, getting started. Uh, we had our first weekly Bible study gathering about three weeks ago now. Uh, so we're just encouraged by what God is doing in the city. And we're praying to see some violent folks against God come to bow their knee before him. I mean, if 
I'm, I'm a little bit crazy, like I told you before, but I just believe in the power of God. Amen. Like, I believe that the Bible says in Romans that the gospel is the power of God. Now, I don't know what you think about God, but my perception of God is that God is big and powerful. He can do anything. So if we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the power of God, then we can stand in front of any drug dealer and tell him to bow his knee before Jesus Christ. We can stand before any murderer and tell him to bow his knee before Jesus Christ. I just believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. And by God's grace, we've seen that happen throughout our story and throughout our history. And we're just excited to see the same thing happen in the city of Wilmington in Murder Town, USA, where they're on a streak to break a record for murder this year already. It's just May, and they're about to break a record for murder. We believe that God will save the least, the last, the lost, the left out, and the violent against him. So, um, that brings me to why I'm here <laughs> and my, my, my sermon for today. Um, I'm going to talk to you a bit about, from the book of Ezekiel, I want to talk to you about, from the title, Sent Ones. Sent One, S-E-N-T, One, Sent Ones. So, turn with me, if you will, to e- Ezekiel. Um, chapter 2, and I'll begin reading right in the very first verse, and it, it reads like this. It says, and he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are also impudent and stubborn, and I send you to them. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God, and whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Though briars and thorns are with you and, sit on, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. Father, thank you for your word. Father, it's sharper than any two-edged sword severing the bone from the marrow. Father, and I pray that this word would get deep down into the marrow of our souls, Father. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my Redeemer. Father, remove me and show off your glory in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So, 
The first thing that we see here in this passage is we see that Ezekiel, he just comes off of having a glorious vision from God. He, the Lord had revealed himself in, 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 in verse 20, 28, it says that such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard the voice of one speaking to me. Ezekiel has this grand vision, and this vision causes him to fall down on his face before the presence of the Lord. And then the Lord says to him, Son of man, stand on your feet. So the first thing we see here uh, about sent ones, and I I believe that God has sent us into the city of Wilmington to proclaim his glorious gospel. And I I tell my my, my church all the time is that God has sent us, so we are sent ones to the city of Wilmington. And as sent ones to the city of Wilmington, the first thing that we see here is that we stand. Sent ones stand for three reasons. They stand first because they are called to stand. He says here, son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. God was calling Ezekiel and preparing him to begin to speak his words and to begin to declare certain things uh, to the people of Israel. And then the Lord says to, to Ezekiel again, he tells him, he says, stand on your feet and speak to these people. And then it says that the spirit entered in to Ezekiel. So the next thing we see is that sit one stand because first they're called to stand and the next they are empowered to stand. Now, isn't it powerful for us that because when, when God calls us, he empowers us to do the work that he's called us to do. And that's encouraging for me in the city of Wilmington because if I just got out there on my own to, to do my own thing, nothing would happen. If I just got out there and tried to make things work with my good strategies and and my good talking, nothing would happen. But because the Spirit empowers us, we can be encouraged enough to stand. And as sent ones, it's, it's, it's powerful for us to know that the commands of God are also his empowerings. God empowers us when he sends us with a command. And in John chapter 5, we see that Jesus says to the man, he says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And it says, at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. The commands of God are also the empowerings of God. So the next thing that we see, sit one stand because they're responding to the call to stand. It, says, it tells us that here in this, in this passage, and that, that is the clarion call of the people of Israel. It's, 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 the word is it's Shema. It's telling them to stand, like from Deuteronomy 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The calling of the Lord demands our obedience and nothing else. Ezekiel's call to the nation was in response to this grand vision that he received from the Lord and the people of Israel, they were in exile at that time and they were in need of the word from the Lord. And whenever we see the people uh, of God in need of a word from the Lord, he will empower people to bring the word. And that's why we see the spirit entering into Ezekiel to stand him on his feet in order that he could hear the word from God and prepare him to utilize what he had heard to bring the people of Israel back to the Lord. 
And because of this great need for the word, the Lord called upon uh, Ezekiel, who was a faithful servant. So I want, I want to, 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 to clear this. For us as a Christian, we must understand that when God calls us, he's calling us to endure certain things. He, he tells Ezekiel clearly, he says, listen, uh, you're going to speak to them, and they, they're probably going to refuse to hear what you have to say. Now, I would have been like, man, like, that's, that's disappointing. Like, I... I think God, they should listen to me if I'm coming to talk to them and I'm being stood up on my feet and the Spirit's empowering me to do that, like they should hear what I'm saying. But God says they, they, they may not hear what you're saying. They may even refuse to hear what you're saying. And so Jesus was calling, the, the, the Jesus is calling, and this is how we know this, because Jesus is calling, it, it wasn't a calling to comfort Jesus' calling was one to discomfort and pain on a cross. So when God calls us to speak to certain people, we should expect to experience a certain amount of discomfort while doing that because the cross was not a posturepedic. Jesus wasn't just maxing and relaxing up there. He wasn't chilling. Jesus was enduring for the sake of you and me. And listen, when God calls you, I, t- I tell my people this all the time, when God calls you, you know, he, he calls you to die. I know that sounds a little weird and off-putting, but he calls us to die. And he calls us to give up our lives for the sake of others. And in a real sense, in Wilmington, God may call some of us to die. I mean, we, we moved into the, into the city, and the first week that we were there, a young lady was murdered on our block. And I began to just, just begin to worry a bit because my son would walk past that block every single day. He was doing physical therapy for his knee. He plays football. He's a big, strong boy. He's, he's bigger than I am. Um, and he, he was doing physical therapy for his knee. And he would walk right past that corner every single day on his way to physical therapy. And I thought, Lord, what, like, what, what would happen? Like, what, if that, my, that could have been my son who, who that happened to. But the calling from the Lord empowers us and it, 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 it calls us to stand even in the midst of danger, even in the midst of we're going to see in this passage of thorns and briars and scorpions. It calls us to stand even in the midst of all of that. But watch this. We stand firm on the calling of the Lord because he's empowered us by the Holy Spirit in order to endure. First Corinthians uh, 1 tells us that, it, it says, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, and not many of you were powerful, and not many of you were even of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I'll tell you, it's foolish for, it was foolish for me to pick up my family and move us right into the middle of the city of Wilmington. That's foolish. According to the world standards, that's foolishness. But God uses the foolishness of the world to confound or confuse the wise. 
And I'm praying for some confused, wise people. I'm praying for some people to be utterly confused by the hand of the Lord moving upon the city of Wilmington and transforming Murder Town, USA to Mercy Town, USA. I'm praying for that. I'm praying for some strong people to be confused and bound by the weakness that appears to be occurring in the city of Wilmington through his church. And this is an empowering reality because sent ones stand because the Holy Spirit fortifies them. It fortifies them because I want us to see this. When he called Ezekiel to stand, Ezekiel was on his face before God. See, we need to be on our face before the Lord in the city of Wilmington. If we're not on our face before the Lord, crying out to him, praying and seeking him for the work that he's calling us to do to be completed, nothing will happen. I tell the the people at my church all the time, if you're called and you're not praying, you're just preparing to perform. And we don't need any more performances in the city of Wilmington. We've got enough of that. We got the Grand Opera House and the Queen, like they can go over there and perform. But we need some people that are going to commit their lives to see the city be transformed. So the next thing I want us to see is this. I want us to see is that sit ones, first they stand because they're called to stand and they're empowered to stand and they're responding to the call of, uh, to, to stand. But the next thing we see is that sit ones, they speak. And sent ones speak because, first of the mission. In verse 3, he says, he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. That sending there is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a letting go. It's a, it's a stretching out. So Ezekiel, he, he's in another land when the Lord calls him to go to the people of Israel. So there was a disruption in his regularly scheduled program. There was a disruption in the, the, the comfortability and the, and the regularity of his life. So if, if, if you don't feel discomfort, if you don't feel stretched out by the mission of God, then you're not operating in what I call your sentness. The mission that God calls you to ought to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It should make you feel a lot uncomfortable. The mission that God calls you to should make you feel stretched out. You should feel like, you, you, you should feel your weakness in the midst of that. Like, I can't do this on my own. And that's a good thing, because you can't do it on your own. And so, sent one speak because of this mission. He, he, he's told clearly, I'm calling you to speak. And then we see that the, the sent one speak because of the mission field. Look at this mission field that the Lord calls Ezekiel to. In verse 3, he says, I sing you to the people of Israel, a nation of rebels. Now, 
it's like the, 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 the English word for pirates. Like, that's who God's sending him to. He's sending him to a bunch of Johnny Depp's um, and pirates of the Caribbean and stuff like that. That's who he's sending them to. He says, listen, they, they've, they've rebelled against me. They're rebels. They've rebelled against me. And they and their fathers have transgressed against me. To this very day. And I love that, that phrase there. It, it, what, it, it, what, it, what it denotes is, it denotes a firmness of form. Like this very day, it's the, the, the essence of life. It talks about, this passage is, is, is saying that rebellion is the essence of their life. And that's what I'm sending you to. I want, I want you to go to some people who rebel at the very core of their being. Oh, and wait, they're also impudent. That means they're just loud and, and just, just hot all the time. They're just loud. We have a saying in inner city that, that, that the, the streets are hot. Like if something happens, like you say, it's, it's hot out there right now. You don't want to go out there. That's our way of saying like something bad just happened, so don't go outside right now. But this is how these people are. They're impudent and they're, they're stubborn. So go to a rebellious people who, who rebel at their core. Oh, and they're also loud and hot and they're stubborn. Like they're stiff-necked and rough. They're not, they're not going to hear you or listen to anything you say. And then the next thing we see that they, they speak because of the matter of the mission. He says, I send you to them. That there is, I, I, literally, I send you in their face. Now, we've got a motto um, at our church. We say that we're on the block. Um, that just means that we're in the neighborhood um, where everything goes on. And then we say we're in the middle of it. So when that young lady who was murdered that I told you about, there was a vigil for her about a few days later. I walked down to the vigil to be with the family and to pray with people who were getting high and smoking weed and on their motorcycles revving loud and doing all kinds of things. But I went and wanted to be right in the middle of that. And it's for the glory of Christ. So at Epiphany Church, we're on the block in the middle of it for the glory of Christ. And this is what this is here. He's saying, I'm sitting to you. I want you to get right in their face. God wanted Ezekiel to be in the face of the people that he was sending him to. And he says, you shall say to them. He wants them to talk to them. He wants them not to just get there and get in their face, but he wants them to actually interact with them. Oftentimes, Wilmington has had people who come and they just kind of drop off goods and services, but there's no interaction with the people. We come and we, we give out some, some, some bags of, of toiletries and things like that, and there's no interaction with the people. And he tells them, listen, they're not going to hear you and they're going to refuse to hear you, but listen at this. They shall know that a prophet was among them. And can I tell you that that is my prayer in the city of Wilmington, that Wilmington will know that a church is among them. 
I can't remember who, who said this, but it says, from the forest comes the handle for the ax that chops down the tree. And I pray that out of the city of Wilmington would arise a handle for an ax to chop down the trees of violence and murder in the city and that God would use the people of Wilmington to draw the city of Wilmington out of bondage. That's my prayer. So there must be recognition of this, and I'm, I'm landing this plane with my last idea here is that so we see that sit ones, they, they stand because they're called to stand, they're empowered to stand, um, and they're responding to the call to be standing. Then we hear them speaking because of the mission and then of the mission field and then the matter of the mission, which is that a church or a prophet might be among them. And then we see this last idea here uh, in verse 6 and 7 is that sit ones, they don't scare easily. Sit ones don't scare easily. And he says to him, son of man, be not afraid of them. He tells them, don't, in other words, don't, don't be astonished um, by their rebelliousness. Don't be in awe of the violence. Don't, 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 don't be surprised by that. He tells them, don't fear them. Don't fear their words. And then he says, don't fear their looks. And oftentimes, when, when, when we interact with people, they'll look at us funny. They'll try to intimidate us by their look. They'll try to intimidate us with their words, like, man, get out of here. I'm not trying to hear none of that Jesus stuff. But we don't, we don't scare easily. We're, we're not astonished by the, their anger and their violence because, let me tell you this, we have a different astonishment. We're astonished by the violence of the cross. That's our astonishment. We're astonished by the violence that took place upon Jesus on the cross for you and for me. That's our astonishment. We're not astonished by the violence in the city of Wilmington. We're astonished by the violence of the cross where Jesus violently went after us and was violently brutalized on the cross for us. So we don't scare easily because we've got a different astonishment. And Ezekiel could not allow the fear to run his life because God had given him a work to do and to operate in fear would be rebellion for him. He tells him in verse 8, son of man, do, do, hear what I say to you and do not be rebellious like the people of this rebellious house. Open your mouth. Sent ones don't scare easily because we know the one who called us. And as God is preparing uh, us to plant a church, we're looking to plant right in, in, in West Center City, which was two years ago was, uh, according to some statistics, the second worst neighborhood in all of America because of all the, 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 the shootings and violence that happened there. We declare that as sent ones, we will stand. As sent ones, we will speak. And as sent ones, we will not scare easily. We won't scare 
at the violence or the danger. And we won't be dismayed because we know the one who breaks every doubter. And listen, we, we have a heavy burden upon us, and that's okay. God calls us to be burdened with something that's greater than we are, and that's fine for us. But we will respond as sent ones, and God may be calling some of you to respond to being sent ones. And if he is doing that, I, w- I want to share this idea with you, and then I'm going to sit down and says. Tell you the story of King Henry III of Bavaria. He grew tired of court life and the pressures of being a monarch. Imagine that, get tired of being a king. Anyway, so he made an application to Prior Richard at the local monastery asking to be accepted as a contemplative to spend the rest of his life in a monastery. And your majesty, so, Prior Richard says, Your Majesty, do you understand what the, the pledge here is, is, is one of obedience? And that's going to be hard for you because you, you've been a king. But King Henry says, he says, I understand. The rest of my life, I will be to obedient to you as Christ leads me. So Prior Richard says, all right, cool. I'm going to tell you what to do then. So he says, okay, tell me. He says, go back to your throne and serve faithfully in the place where God has placed you. And when King Henry died, a statement was written. It said that the king learned to rule by being obedient. When we tire of our roles and responsibilities, it helps to remember that God has placed us in the very place where we are. That's whether you're an accountant, a teacher, a mother, a dad, a pastor, where God has planted you, he, where God has called you, that's where he wants you to be. And he wants you to serve right in that place as a sent one. And he wants you to stand and he wants you to speak and he doesn't want you to scare easily as you proclaim the glory and fame of his name. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we pray, God, that as we leave from this place, Lord, that, that we might hear the words that you spoke to Ezekiel, calling us to stand on our feet. And God, as we stand on our feet, that we would have a resolve to speak the things that you tell us to speak, that we would speak the words that you give to us, and we know that you give us the words of life. And Father, I pray that we would not scare easily and that we would have a different astonishment and that we would ever be astonished by your love for us and your grace that abounds in our life. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray all these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen.